Hi, it's Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, buying, selling, renting and investing, floating your boat and lighting your candle. This week, we've got my talk that I gave to the PPN, the Progressive Property Network, a couple of weeks back, popped up there to do a talk on landlords. We've already, tell you what, we've already done a show in connection with the landlords and the changes to the funding for portfolio landlords. But this is more of an extended talk, probably went on for about 45 minutes or so. And I think you'll get some really good insight, more of an insight into the changes with regards to the portfolio lettings. But before we kick off and get into that, three things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the mortgage works, we're talking purple bricks, and we're talking closing dates. Let's kick off with purple bricks. I wanted just to give you a little bit of an insight into my dealings with purple bricks up until now. So purple bricks, you all know about purple bricks. You've seen them on the television. They're now within our psyche as far as buying and selling of property is concerned. But are they any good? Do they do what they say in the television adverts? Well, I'm taking this from the purchaser's perspective today. I've had a couple of dealings with them. Really wanted to, I guess, allow them to bed their processes down just to see um, from now as to whether or not they're any good. And I tell you what, I've had my issues with them. I got instructed in a purchase a while ago and I needed to note interest. Now, noting interest for those of you who will not be aware is just simply a case of me phoning up an estate agent and expressing my interest for a client to purchase a property so that we've got a stake in the ground in the event that it goes to a closing date. So it's a 30 second conversation. I take their name, I jot it down on the client, uh, the client file and we just wait until we get the closing date. But for Purple Bricks, I had to speak to three separate people. I had to dial three separate phone numbers. The first guy clearly didn't know what I was talking about, gave me another number. This other woman on the other end of the phone gave me another number. The whole process took nine and a half minutes. Nine and a half minutes for me to say I want to buy a property. So you know what, that's going to put some people off. Undoubtedly, that will put some people off. I had to register my name. Goodness knows what's happening with uh, that information. She did say that they don't do anything with with that. But I'm thinking, well, why do they need my information? GDPR is coming up. So I presume that they're working in the background with regards to that and making sure they've got all the boxes ticked. And then once we had noted an interest, I started getting email after email. And I thought, gosh, that's, that's, I like that technology, combining technology with the buying and selling. But I looked at these emails and they're just nonsense. One email said I'd noted an interest. And then the next email said that I hadn't noted an interest. One email said that I'd made an offer. And then another email said there was no offers. And then... What I did like was that when you go onto the website, if they've got a closing date, they've got this pink circle which says closing date. But it said the closing date was on a particular date at midnight. 
clearly the person that had inputted the information <laughs> hadn't put in that it should have been 12 noon. That has been changed. So listen, they're doing some great work. I've no doubt about that. They are disrupting the market and it's meaning that the estate agents who aren't online have to start thinking about online. Goodness gracious, there's Countrywide and Slater Hogg and House and their share price has absolutely plummeted and, and they really are on their knees. It'll be interesting just to see if the two operations of Countrywide and Slater Hogg owned by the one company will survive. Um, you've got to think that the stronger brand there, certainly in Scotland, is, is going to, to win out. So again, it's a, it, it's a work in process at the moment as far as Purple Bricks is concerned. And no doubt I'll continue to uh, update you on where we're at with regards to my dealings with Purple Bricks. Interested to hear if you've got any dealings with Purple Bricks and what your thoughts are, drop me an email on jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk. Second one I want to talk about is the mortgage work. Spoke to Donald McVicker, who's the BDM at uh, the Mortgage Works, he popped in to see me last week and they are going at the company buy to let with a big, big offering. It's going to come out in the second quarter or towards the end of the second quarter of this year. He's talking that they're going toe to toe with the, the lenders. I think their offer is going to be special insofar as I think it's going to undercut the likes of Precise and Paragon. It'll be interesting just to see where it fits within the firmament. And the greatest thing that they're going to offer is, I think, service. At the moment, the likes of Aldermore, the likes of um, Lend Invest and uh, Shawbrook, they all seem to be taking a bit of time with regards to actually getting the offers out. And that's mainly because they've got a second set of solicitors instructed. You know what? TMW have told me that they're not doing any separate representation. So from a solicitor's point of view, um, I know that that will speed the whole process up immeasurably. And it's going to be interesting just to see, first of all, what they come up with on two and five year fix, and then see whether or not they hold true with regards to the separate representation. Exciting times for the landlords. They've really been waiting for something that is uh, a little bit of good news. And I think at long last, we've got that. Finally, closing dates, have you thought that the froth of the market has begun to subside like the old Prosecco? Well, I tell you what, nothing could be further from the truth. I was speaking to somebody there yesterday and they said that they had a closing date in Renfrew. Closing dates in Renfrew and that did surprise me. I think still there's a lack of stock out there in the market and there just seems to be a lot of people milling about trying to force prices up. I was speaking to Greg Oliver um, who's doing a lot of investing um, with uh, Go Financial. He runs Go Financial and he is acting for the well-to-do and the well-heeled who come up from down south and he's investing for them. He has tells me that uh, Cowden Beath is the area that they have done a lot of investment in and, and his claim is that he's taken the uh, average house price from 90,000 up to 110 um, because a lot of investment has come in and they've started to buy because down south they feel that the yields are much better 
uh, up here than they are down south. And what that's happening, as I thought would happen, is that if money's coming in, then it's going to drive the prices up. Is that just a short-term blip? It'll be interesting to see. But anyway, on this one for the closing date, Retty's out in uh, Maitland Walker and Retty's out on Byers Road. They've got this property in Balliol Street and offers over, I don't know what it was anyway, it's home reported at 135. Have a guess, first of all, as to how many offers they got in and then have a guess as to what the property went for. So they got 41 offers. This is just, when I say bog standard, it is just a main door flat in the West End. It got 41 offers. I mean, goodness gracious, I, I had to ask, I phoned up and I had to ask how many of those offers came in by fax. And uh, the estate agent at the other end said that they had about a quarter came in by fax. I thought, goodness gracious, um, 41 faxes coming in. I mean, that'll take half a day to uh, to get through onto the fax. But they said three quarters of them came through by email. So it's good to see that the solicitors at long last are uh, taking on board technology um, in, in some respects about 15 years too late. But anyway, that's a different topic entirely. So closing dates, froth in the market, 41 offers. And by all accounts, it touched something with a two. Um, so that's pretty crazy. I think if you're wanting to buy in these hotspots, I think you've just got to bide your time, wait until the froth comes out of the market. I think there will be more properties come onto the market come May and April and May. Uh, whether or not that's going to attract more people I think the amount of people that is in the market, I don't think there's going to be too many more in the market. So I would think uh, just bide your time, wait until this blip uh, subsides and uh, see what you can do in April or May. Listen, let's go on. That's me talk now for best part of 10 minutes. Let's go on and listen to me at the PPN a couple of weeks ago. Before I introduce Jonathan to come speak, I'm just going to do a quick run over of a two day course that uh, I was on over the weekend and a couple of other people in the room were on. Um, it's not a progressive course, um, it's a course that is going to be getting launched in the next couple of months or so. And I just wanted to introduce it to you because I got a lot out of it and I know a lot of the people that attended got a lot out of it, so just wanted to give a quick run through of it. So it was hosted by Kenneth Martin, which is Sandra Martin's husband, um, and it was held at um, their offices. So Kenneth's an architect, and he's an architect that I use for our projects, and he's also a developer. So he has his own um, developments that he's currently doing just now. I think it's around 40 or 50 units that he's working on at the moment. So it was a two-day course on the Saturday and the Sunday, and there was lots and lots of good information on it. It was quite a small group. So there was only eight of us there, which was really, really good, because normally when you go to events, there's maybe 30, 40 people, and you don't get the opportunity to ask questions and really go into depth and what you're looking to do. Um, so Kenneth set up sort of six to eight people, and it worked out really, really well. So I'll just put three points that I took away from it. Obviously, I'm not going to go into in too much depth, because you need to go in the course to do it, but. The one thing that, the first thing I got was the process is a process. So what Kenneth was saying is whether you're doing a architect conversion or an extension, the process for getting planning and the building one and all that sort of stuff is the same as if you go and try and build 
100 houses. So understanding the process is key and once you've learned it, you can then build on the journey from there, go 1, 2, 10, 20, 100 houses. So the second one was that your team is so important. So that was something that I really took away because when you're doing large scale developments or even small scales, there's so many different working parts to it. Kenneth gave us about 10 engineers that you need and I didn't know about half of them. So it's a case of building your team is so, so important. And then the third point was, it's not over when the money hits the bank. And that was something that hit home to me because normally you think the property's sold, the money's in the bank, move on to the next one. With developments, it's not. There's so much that comes on the back end that if you don't get right, it could really, really affect the profitability of the project. So now, that was just a quick run through of it. So there's not been, uh, I don't think Kenneth's released any more information on dates and things like that, but if you do see it about, I would highly, highly recommend if you're interested in doing developments, even on a small scale, um, to go and have a look at the course. I'm not on commission or anything like that from Kenneth for this. It's literally a case of, uh, we got a lot of value out of it over the weekend and uh, we think you would too if you wanted to do it. So without further ado, I'll pass over to the main act, Jonathan Williams. came out of university in 92, 15% interest rates, couldn't get a job and ended up for 20 odd years ploughing the trenches of residential conveyancing. So that's pretty much my background on a day-to-day -day basis. There's probably not too much that I don't know about how to buy and sell property. And for 20 odd years, it was a great, great job. Um, and I guess as with all jobs, jobs change. The advent of the computer. When I started, there was no, not such a thing called email. So that came in, the computers came in, and the whole job just completely changed. And very much convincing now is done on a transactional basis by paralegals. Uh, and that wasn't something that I was too keen on. Um, I felt that we wanted to offer a service. So after 20 years, I rocked up in an October and decided, you know what, that's it, I'm resigning. And 
I didn't know what I was going to do. What I did know was that I wasn't wanting, I was not prepared to work 12, 13 hours a day, uh, working at weekends. Um, we just started a new company um, and it just wasn't working. Sold the dream six months and after six months I knew then that it wasn't working. Somebody in fact said to me, they said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. What he didn't tell me was that it was a train coming towards me. So I decided before I get hit by the train, I would get, get off. Now, when I introduced myself as a, as a solicitor, there was certainly a sharp intake of breath. Now, we're not a bad lot of solicitors. You know, we really do try and help people. Philip came into the office last week. He had 500 pounds. He said, what does that get me? I said, it gets you two questions. He says, right. I said, what's the second? <laughs> that worked better last week. <laughs> so I decided what I was going to do was I decided that there's such a synergy between mortgages, finance, and what I did as a solicitor. And so I thought, I'll become a mortgage broker. So I contacted a guy called Chris Brown at Begley Brown, played rugby with him 20 years prior to that. And it was just a chat. And I guess whenever you go, it's, it's a dangerous thing having a chat to somebody about the job because suddenly you're ending up doing the job. So about two months after that, I was ensconced sitting at the desk having to learn all about mortgages. And if you've ever studied, um, as I did, um, you don't want to ever take a break in studying because if you take a break, as I did, of 23 years, it's an absolute nightmare to go back. An absolute nightmare to go back. But we passed all the exams and we started off. Um, so that was the second part of I guess my qualifications to be able to speak here tonight. So we do all sorts of mortgages. We'll talk about limited company mortgages, but I invest in property as well. I've got half a dozen properties in the West End, um, and the nice students of Glasgow pay my rent, and in essence what they're doing is they're paying my pension. So what I've decided to do is I do a capital and an interest. I know very much those who are in the buy-to-let sphere really want to go down the interest-only route. But I decided, no, it's capital and interest. Uh, I won't take any money out. And I'm, glad for, I'm grateful that I did, because hopefully in 10 years' time, I'll have six flats in the West End that'll pull in about 40 grand, and that's me. I won't have to work. So that's what I've decided to do. Um, and I think it's so important for you here in the room to make sure that you've got a plan and you know what that plan is and stick to that plan. Make sure that you have got the plan and then work back from the plan. Because if you don't have a plan, then it's going to be a real struggle for you. And make sure, unlike what I did, make sure that you put your ladder against the right wall. Because I went up that corporate ladder and then got to the top and realized my ladder was against the wrong wall. So make sure that your ladder is against the right wall. So investing, 
the reason why I got into investing was very much my senior partner, good old Stuart Morrison. He loved horses. He used to bugger off on a Friday and go down to air races, put his white, white gloves on, and he used to do tic-tac. He was a flipping bookie. <laughs> he was a bookie. And then he became a racehorse owner, and he bought a share in two, I don't know much about horse racing, but two grade one horses that won grade one races, some nag called Bijou Dand. And he said to me, listen, you're making all this money as a solicitor, what are you doing with it? I said, I don't know. And what he said to me is, invest in something that you know about. And that's what I did. I knew about property, so I started to invest in property. He invested in horses. Unfortunately, what happened with, uh, with good old Stuart is that his, his, his horse won this race in Abu Dhabi or somewhere. And the, the Arabs came over and Sheikh back to whoever said, listen, I'll give you millions for your, property, for your horse. And he said, no, 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 he was typical bookie. So he turned around and he said, no, I'm not interested. I'm going to put it out to start. So he put it out to start. And you know where this is going. Poor old horse got a dose, and it wasn't worth buttons. So again, make sure that if you're backing the right horse, back the right horse and have a plan in place. So that's me, Jonathan Williams. Um, we better, I guess, start. That's going backwards. Okay, so landlords with four more properties. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Situation is that the PRA, and I'll come to this, the PRA have changed the rules. If you have property, if you have landlords with four or more properties, the rules of the game have changed with regards to how you can get your funding. Okay, it's far more difficult. If you've got property and you've got less than four, then you're okay. But if you're in this room, I guess you're probably in this room thinking, I don't want to stop at four. And if that's the case, then you need to listen to what we're going to say here. So what you'll all be aware of with regards to, to landlords is very much down to change being constant. So the situation very much is over the last 18 months or so, we have had an incredible amount of change with regards to the landlords buy to let. First of all, we ended up getting landlord registration, which I think a lot of these things are sensible. Some of them you just think they've just got it in for us. The landlord registration and gas safety checks, I don't think there'll be anybody in the room who doesn't agree that those two things are a good idea. Hardwire smoke alarms, there was talk a couple of months ago saying, well, why do I need to have a hardwire smoke alarm when I can get a 10-year smoke alarm? So there's a bit of talk about that. I still think that that will change. And then we've got the real kicking the matters. The 3% tax. 3%, so if you are going to buy a second property, your 3% tax. The amount of clients that have come to me 
and tried weird and wonderful schemes in trying to avoid the 3% tax. The legislators, they know what you're trying to grow, and it is nigh on impossible to grow the wool over their, over their arms. Okay? I had one, one ingenious couple who uh, were married, and they said, uh, I said, well, you can't. They said, well, so what happens if I buy, as in the husband buy a property, and then the, the wife buy a property and we buy it separately? I said, the only way you can do that is if you get divorced. And they looked at one another and said, do you know a good divorce lawyer? <laughs> that is what some people will go to. Okay? So the 3% tax, I guess we all know about the 3 You know, if you've invested in anything second time, you'll all know about the 3% tax. Next is the stress test. People come to me and ask about mortgages and they say, well, listen, I don't have an income. And, you know, you still can get a buy-to-let mortgage without an income. Okay, there's a few lenders out there who still look at that. Um, we're looking at um, the Mortgage Works, uh, Leeds Building Society, Coventry Building Society, Godiva. They will allow you to do that. But generally speaking, what the lenders will be wanting is that we're wanting some sort of income. But the stress test is the real crux of how you're going to get your money. As you probably all know, it's probably you need to have enough income coming in from the rent in order to pay for the, uh, the mortgage. And it has to be 125%. So you have to have your mortgage payment covered by 125%. But that's not the pay rate. That's not what you pay on your mortgage. It's at 5 point, it tends to be around sort of 5.5% that they will work out. So there's a good tip here that if you're a basic rate taxpayer and you don't want to worry about the calculation, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, the sum that you need to do is to multiply the rent by 174. And that pretty much gives you what you're going to be able to get a mortgage on. Secondly, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, your multiplication is about 150. So 150 times the rent, and that will give you the absolute max that you're probably going to be able to get out of a lender. Income tax changes, well, I mean, the income tax changes are absolutely astonishing. I've written down some, uh, some notes here. Um, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, then you probably don't need to worry about limited companies. But the problem is that what's going to happen now is that if you start ramping up and making lots and lots of money as far as income is concerned, then you might start edging towards the higher rate tax. And that's when there are significant changes to be had. But if you are able somehow to keep yourself as a basic rate taxpayer, then limited companies are probably not for you. I would always preface this by the fact that I'm a solicitor, I'm a mortgage broker, I am not an accountant. Okay? If you're thinking about limited company buy-to-let, go and see an accountant. Okay? And it's not all about making sure that you don't have to pay any tax. There are more things to think about with regards to limited companies and buy-to-let. So if you're on the cusp of, say for example, you've got 60,000 in rental, 
you've got interest. This is pre. Uh, this is uh, before the changes. So sixty thousand pounds, as far as rental income is concerned, you've got interest payments of twenty-four thousand. You've got allowable deductions. So you then end up having a taxable income of twenty-four thousand. Your tax on that is four thousand eight hundred. So you make a grand total of nineteen thousand two hundred pounds. Not bad. But after the changes all take place and you're in that bracket and you've got £60,000 as far as income is concerned, you're not allowed to deduct the interest. You're still allowed to deduct the £12,000. So your taxable income suddenly jumps from £24,000 to £48,000. You then become a higher rate taxpayer and you end up having to pay 40%, you get your 20% deduction, but your profit drops from £19,200 to £15,600. £3,600. That's why you need to think about limited company buy to let. So we've got the PAT test there, we've got the Legionella test, all good stuff. So Legionella test is that if you've got a shower, apparently you have got to make sure that you're not spreading Legionella spores. And so you need to get your plumber or your letting agent. Your letting agent should certainly be able to advise you on that. Straw poll. Who's done a Legionella test? The requirements for the risk assessment test. Say again, sorry. Right. Right. So there's not very many, okay? And that's what the issue is, I think, with the buy to let and the buy to let space, is that it is moving forward so quickly that you have to make sure that you're up to speed with all the legislation. It's absolutely vital that you get that done. So the PRA, the Prudential Regulation Authority, came up with this great wheeze about making sure that if you had four properties or more, then it was going to be more difficult for you to get a mortgage. They were concerned, the PRA, that a lot of the lenders, they knew what they were trying to do, they knew that they were trying to break in and, and really control the buy-to-let market, and they were concerned that they were just allowing Tom, Dick and Harry to get a mortgage for a buy-to-let. And so they thought, you know what, we've already been through 2007-2008, we're not going to let this happen again. And so what they've come up with are the changes. But before you decide to jump from the roof, it still is a good opportunity. Some people say to me that the game's dead. I think if you're entering the market, it's probably not a bad time to be entering the market. Limited company buy-to-lets. If you don't have a portfolio and you're considering limited buy-to-lets, it's maybe no bad thing. If you've bought 2007-2008, you know, there's a lot of people who are coming out of the market. But if you're starting up now, you know what the rules of the game are and you can work out accordingly. Money's still cheap. We'll talk about rates. 
For standard buy to let, you could be anywhere for two year fixed to sort of 1.79, 1.8, under 2% anyway. Incredibly cheap. Even for limited company buy to lets, there's lenders out there looking at two year fixed at 3.39%. If you can't make money at 3.39%, you've done something wrong. So you can put your money somewhere else, state retirement, there's a movable feast it says there, there's volatility of the markets. If you invest in Bitcoin, good luck in that. And poor returns on savings, everybody knows. That's probably why you're all here in this room, is because if you have any savings, they're not working for you. So let's just go through the current rules of the game. So the current rules of the, of the game very much are based upon individual property. This is before the, uh, the changes came in. So it was all to do with your individual property. So as long as that individual property passed muster with regards to the rules and regs as far as the lending with the, with, with the lender, then you're home and holes. Okay? As long as you had your stress test, as long as your your tenants were paying a decent amount of money and your yield was, was half decent, then you were good to go. You got the green light from the lender. Income requirements, as I say, some lenders had income requirements, but if you were smart enough, then you could work out which ones were. And there wasn't, there's not a great disparity. Some people think there's a huge disparity with the fact that if you don't have an income as against you do have an income, does it mean it has a detrimental effect as far as the interest rate is concerned? It has some of an effect, but you'd be surprised as to how little effect it has. And then the loan to value. So we're all there at 25%. You've got to get your 25% deposit. A couple of lenders out there, uh, Lend Invest, who have come into the limited company. Uh, space are uh, started to lend at 80% loan to value. Um, so there are lenders out there who are prepared to listen to you if you wanted to try and get a little bit more out of the property. So there's a new game in town, and the new game is all about, and this is all to do with a landlord who has four or more properties. And what they're going to look at is your total portfolio. So the rules will mean that your total portfolio has to pass all of the conditions. And if they don't, then you're going to be struggling to get funding. And that means more work for you guys. More work in trying to convince the lenders that you've got everything in place. So you need to make sure that you get your property schedule, make sure that you've got that all tied up nicely, make sure you've got all the information that they need because what's tending to happen is that clients are coming to me and they don't have any of the necessary information, they haven't thought about it and all that means is that the process is slowing down. So make sure that you get yourself and understand exactly what is required. Any decent broker will be able to tell you exactly what is needed. You know, in our conversation with them, they will be able to tell you exactly what is needed. And go away, get it done. Uh, it's a bit of a hassle, but 
you know, it's time well spent. Undoubtedly, it's time well spent. So the first thing to look at here, the rule one, is 75% loan to value. So your whole portfolio has to wash its face at 75% loan to value. If you've got an encumbered property, then that's good because they will look at everything in the round. So if you've got maybe a couple that are not washing their face and are just about to sink at 80% loan to value, but you've got a flat in the West End that's unencumbered, then they'll take all of that into account. No. They're not interested. Does it include the primary residence? Okay. All they're interested in are buy-to-let properties. Okay. So seventy-five percent for the whole portfolio. The next rule is stress tests, and this is one which is a real, real problem for those who are right on seventy-five percent to value or maybe 80% loan to value. It's not working for them. There were so many lenders who came into the market and they decided, you know what, I'm not going to go for a yield play, I'll go for a capital play. I'll just hope that the market rises and when the tide comes in, all the boats will go up and my property will go up as well. So these are the people that are really, really struggling because your stress test has to work over the whole of your debt, over the whole of your portfolio. The rule three is minimum income. And minimum income is something that, I mean, who doesn't have a mortgage with Birmingham Midshires? It's the go-to. You know, if you started the game, it's the go-to lender. And they were very much, they didn't give two hoots about what you earned. Now they do. 30 grand. But there still are lenders out there who are prepared to look at you with no, with no income. You're probably going to have to have a higher deposit. Leeds Building Society, I was speaking with the BDM there, Louise Drummond, last week, and she said that they're still happy to look at at no specific income. Coventry Building Society, another lender there who are prepared to play ball. But generally, most of your lenders are insist upon anywhere between 25,000 and 30,000 as far as an income is concerned. And what you, you are able to use is obviously your income that you're getting from your main employment and also the income that you're getting from your rental employment. So, those are the three rules. Let's talk about consequences. What are the consequences? Yeah. Can I just ask quickly on the rental income? Is that your to your rental is appreciated or is it after the rental so after the pension costs are Rental income. stress test is based upon the income that you're getting in and then they'll, they'll work the stress test out from the income. Happy to take any, any questions. One of the best things that I was ever taught about 
and this is from a podcast, is that if you're ever in a situation where you want to ask a question, one of the things that I do when I'm there, and admittedly I'm trying to promote my podcast, anytime I go to any of these things, I always introduce myself when I'm asking the question. Nobody does that. It's amazing how many times you go to one of these things and nobody says, I'm so-and-so. But the amount of times that I've done that and said, hi, I'm Jonathan Williams, Bricks and Water Pod- I host the Bricks and Water Podcast, this is the question I've got. There's always an opportunity for networking afterwards. And the amount of times that people will come up to you and you don't have to then go to them because you've already broken the ice. So the people who will come up to you, the people who are interested in speaking to you, and the people who don't want to speak to me, (laughs) so try that out. So more opportunities, let's talk about more opportunities. If you speak to any estate agents, they will know so many landlords who said, you know what, we bought in 2007, we just can't make it work, we're out of here. So there's going to be a lot of property, a lot of portfolios, a lot of individual properties that are coming back onto the market. Clydesdale Bank sold their debt book of £625 million to Cerberus. Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle, he was the guy who couldn't spell potato, I think. He's behind Cerberus. Who would trust him with £625 million? But there's a company in Glasgow, David Round, at uh, at Cairn Property, and he's entrusted with selling the Cerberus portfolios. And you want to see some of the stuff that that comes out of this. Some of the lending decisions that the Clydesdale Bank made back in 2017, absolute nuts. But that's all coming onto the market. There's RBS are putting stuff onto the market, and then you'll have your one in, in, in... you have your smaller landlords who are needing to extricate themselves out of the market. They need to get away. So I do think that there will be positive opportunities moving forward. standing up here because there's so many questions that I need to ask you um, but we should maybe have a chat afterwards that there will be solutions for you but for goodness sake don't do that. Okay, there's lifetime mortgages, you want to try and keep hold of your property don't sell your interest to an insurance company, it will be the worst thing that you've ever done and here's me, I'm trying to sell these products I just hate those products, I have to say I'm not just 
people come to me and they have that and I say, listen, there must be a different way. There has to be a different way. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking about opportunities there. Yeah, landlords, that's fine. So shall we talk limited company by TLS? Because that's part of my talk as well. Opportunities for limited company by TLS. So Okay, so limited company buy to let. There's probably about half a dozen lenders that you can go to. What I'll do is I'll give you uh, a rundown of who's in the market at the moment, and they'll go from best interest rates down to you really gotta be struggling if you want to go together. Okay, that's the last chance. You've got to be in and out in two minutes, otherwise they're going to charge you ten percent. So let's start at the top of the tree. You're looking at precise. Precise. All these lenders, if you've done a buy to let on a personal basis and you thought it's difficult, you wait until you start trying to get money out of a lender with a limited company. Okay. The amount of information that they need uh, is just unbelievable. Okay. But at the end of the tunnel, there's your pot of gold on the basis that you don't have to pay any interest. Or you, you get tax relief. Just a word of warning, I've spoken to a number of accountants. The whole reason for what the government are doing on the tax is to generate tax. So as soon as they start seeing everybody flying out of personal buy-to-lets, and jumping into limited buy-to-let, jumping into serviced accommodation, do you not think the government are going to follow you? Because they're not going to let it go lightly. They're going to probably potentially come up with some ways whereby they will then still try and get some sort of money out of you as far as tax is concerned. I've spoken to a couple of accountants, and they're saying they think it's a matter of time before there's going to be further legislative changes. But again, what do you do? You can't second guess the government. You've just got to do what you think is right at the time. So, precise. So they've probably got rates, two-year fixed rates, about 3, 3 and a bit, 3 3.2, 3.3, 3.4%, two-year fixed. Then you're looking at Lend Invest. Lend Invest are a new lender that have come into the market, very much based upon bridging finance. And the great thing about Lend Invest is that they have a bridger's mentality. They either lend, any, lend money to anybody, but they will have processes which mean that they will be slick. So if you're needing your money quickly, Lend Invest is probably a good one to go with. 3.39% for a two-year fix. And then you're starting to talk to Shawbrook, you're then starting to talk to Aldermore, and then you're starting to talk to Together. <laughs> That's the only protocol. Okay. Um, what do you need to be aware of when you're getting a limited company buy to let mortgage? Personal guarantees. Your SPD or your special purpose vehicle, which is something that you've set up, a limited company, you and your partner, 
uh, splitting the shareholding in your both directors. They'll want a personal guarantee. They'll probably want a personal guarantee for the amount of funding that you're looking for, so that if the company goes tits up and the, the tenant doesn't pay your rent, then they're coming after you. You're next in the noose. So be aware that it's a personal guarantee that they'll be looking for. Legal fees. You see, when you go and buy as an individual a property, your solicitor will act for the lender and they will act for you as an individual. Okay? But that's not what happens in limited company buy-to-lets. Limited company buy-to-lets, the lender will insist that they instruct their own solicitors and you can instruct your own solicitor to look after your own parts because they perceive there to be a conflict of interest. So that, whenever you get solicitors in a room, that's not a good thing. Because it will just slow the process down. Incredibly slow. You've got costs associated with your solicitor and you don't you can barter and you can argue the toss with your solicitor as to how much you pay your solicitor to do that piece of work. You've got no chance of doing that with a panel solicitor instructed by a lender, okay? And quite frankly, some of the costs are eye-watering. So you need to be aware that if you are going to be going ahead with a limited company buy-to-let, for goodness sake, as with anybody of these courses, they all teach you, get your figures right, okay? Make sure that you know what your figures are, because it ain't cheap. But there is that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So timescales, you're probably talking about six to eight weeks. So just bear that in mind as well. And then I've spoken about the schedule of property. They will ask you to produce a schedule of property. So make sure that you've got that done. That should be downloaded and sent to you by your mortgage broker. So do that. So consequences run to the second. Well, what happens when the music stops? What happens if you have got a nice two-year fixed rate and you go back to the bank and you say to the bank, listen, I did a two-year fixed rate. How's about giving me some more money? on another two-year fixed rate. And that's all right if you qualify. What happens? These banks, they have to treat everybody fairly. Yeah? There's not one rule for one, another rule for another. So potentially, if you don't qualify in the three rules, they could turn around and say, you know what? We can only give you the new two-year fixed rate. We're not going to throw you to the wolves. We're not going to start repossession proceedings. But I tell you what we're not going to give you is that 1.79 fixed rate deal. That's not happening. We're sticking you on SCR. Standard variable rate with Leeds Building Society starts on a five. Can you imagine if you're paying your mortgage one month at 1.79 and then suddenly it's five? There are, I've, I've spoken to Birmingham Midshires, Birmingham Midshires have told me that they will still offer the full suite of documents, irrespective of whether or not you qualify. So again, it's not all doom and gloom for those of you who are thinking you're going to end up going on to the SVR. 
that speak to your lenders. Speak to your mortgage broker, see what they can do for you. But you only get so many mortgages that you can Three, yes. And that's one of the other consequences that a lot of lenders, probably mentioned as well, have been three for, for years. Virgin Money um, are no longer prepared to look at anything more than three mortgages with them. So there's a contraction in the market, but there's some other lenders who are saying, you know what, we're going to fill our boots. Coventry Building Society are really keen in taking um, new mortgages for portfolio lenders because that's their thing. Leaf Building Society as well, that's their thing. So I think what will happen, the consequences are, is that there will be niche lenders out there who will be able to assist. But always ask the question. So we're drawing to a close. Blood on the carpet. Well, of course there will be blood on the carpet. There will be those where it just doesn't work for landlords and they bought poorly and they're going to end up potentially getting properties repossessed because nobody's prepared to buy their stock. Make sure that's not you. When you're investing in property, make sure that you do the numbers and make sure that you buy in the right location. The, the adage of location, 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 it can't be further. I mean, it's just the thing when you're looking to, to buy property. It, it, always has been and I think it always will be. But there will be consequences and there will be some casualties. Make sure that you're not one of those casualties and make sure you're in good financial fettle that you can take advantage of the consequences. Okay? Because there will be people out there and you want to be on the right side of the fence. So, summary. So, the new rules are going to affect four or more properties LTV at 75%. Stress test there. There could be a stress test depending upon where the market goes. You may find that the stress test actually increases um, with what is happening with regards to the buy to let side of things is that as the tax increases, what the landlords are doing is that they're just increasing rents. I mean, some of the rents that people are paying to, to rent one-bedroom flats in, um, in the city centre is just absolutely eye-watering. But I think what's going to happen with the millennials who are, who are coming out of school, that we, or certainly I was always, I was brought up in the 1980s, and it was very much, you had to buy your property, and that was the thing. You bought your council house, Thatcher was in power, and there was just this, you need to buy your property, you need to buy your property. We are probably one of the few nations in Europe who has that. Everybody in France and Germany, they rent. And I can potentially see that those millennials who don't have bank and mum and dad, they're gonna, there's going to be a whole raft of people who are renting, which is great for you guys, great for landlords. Um, just make sure, as I say, that you've got the finances sorted out so you can take advantage of that. And that's really it. Thanks very much. You've been a great audience. Uh, are there any questions that you may have? And hopefully I'll be able to answer them.
So I think you get an opportunity to estimate what the valuation is, okay? And you can't over-egg that because all the lenders will have desktops, so they will, they will have desktop valuations. And if you're out of kilter with the desktop valuation, the last thing that the lenders want to do is end up getting surveyors schlepping around the whole of Scotland valuing properties. So what they'll tend to do, my understanding is, what they'll do is that they'll take desktop valuations and then I suppose you could potentially, if you don't think that that property is valued at that and your property is, is higher, then you potentially could have a right of appeal. But there's no given that there's a right of appeal. They could just say, no, computer says no, move on. Yes? what the rental income is, and that's what the lenders are looking for. 
so they need to get that. So you could be anywhere between uh, £200 or £300, or if you want to go with the Royal Bank of Scotland, you could be £1,000 a survey. Isn't that right, Tim? <laughs> so does that give you a sort of overview, hopefully, of plus stamp duty, of course. So you've got, your stamp duty will kick in £145,000, um, and then if you've got your, uh, obviously it's the second property as it will be, then you've got your 3% and that's on the purchase price. The arrangement fees um, can be anywhere between 1% and 2%. For you, you know, if you're a bit of a bottom feeder there, and, and, and you're looking at sort of properties at 30, 40, 50 thousand pounds, it might not be suitable for you. You need to go and speak to the accountant, but go to the accountant with what your end game is. The best accountants will be saying, "Listen, I'm not wanting to speak to you until until you tell me what you're trying to achieve," because what you can, what they will be saying is that if you tell me what we're trying to achieve, then we can put things in place on a yearly basis, a monthly basis, and a weekly basis. And is this individual process you would go through on each individual mortgage? Or because they have work done, it tends to be able to bust one. Assuming you're staying for the same length. I, I think if you're staying with the same lender, then yes, if you're going with the same lender, you'll understand the processes, so you'll be slicker, but ultimately it's still the same process that you're going to have to go through. I think the point on that, so when you look at shopper, who I use for a lot of hours, the first one took three months to get through, and it was an absolute nightmare trying to get Calculator there, six hundred pounds times one hundred seventy-four. I think it's around about ninety grand. So if you are a basically taxpayer and you're wanting to borrow ninety grand, you need to make sure that you're going to get six hundred six hundred pounds as far as a rental income is concerned in order to make, to make that work. So that's ninety, which is seventy-five percent. 
is the multiplication for uh, a lower part basic rate taxpayer. And having done all that, excuse me, my name's John. Pot of gold, describe what that pot of gold and the benefits are in that pot of gold. The pot of gold is, well, all the pain is that you hopefully will make more profit. I gave you that figure there that, that you've lost three and a half grand if you're a, a, a high rate taxpayer. Literally, that's on 60 grand. Um, limited companies, I think, are, are very much, it seems to be that everybody thinks limited company, limited company. It doesn't work for everybody. And again, that's what I'm saying is that you've got to have what are you trying to achieve? You know, going limited company, do you need limited company if you just do flips? You know, there's, there's so many reasons why you wouldn't want to do a limited company, so many reasons why you would want to do a limited company, as I say, I deal with words and I deal with finance. I know a bit about numbers, but you need to go and speak to an accountant. They're, um, the, they're the people. Have you had implications on the Go and speak to an accountant. Have there VAT implications? Well, I, I guess that they're, you're not paying VAT, are there VAT implications? So my, the understanding that we've got from going through this process is because residential property is not a rental property, it's not a bankable purchase, uh -huh. so you don't register for VAT, uh -huh. and therefore you can't charge VAT, and therefore you can't claim it back. That's the way I've spoken about debt accounts, so this and we've all said you can't charge VAT on it. If you go down the SA route, Sandra may be a little bit more, but you do charge VAT, Just in, in finalising, I do a lot of these speeches and people say, you've got any books that you can recommend? So I've got a couple of books here. One for networking is absolutely fantastic. It's called What Everybody Is Saying. Okay, it's a former FBI agent called Joe Navarro and he takes you through what people do, facial expressions. Joe Navarro, What Everybody, it's a fascinating book. You go to one of these things and you start thinking, oh, that's what you're like. That's why you're doing that. You're in that case. <laughs> so that's one I would recommend. I do like Zig Ziglar, an oldie but a goodie. Um, anything to do with sales, closing the sale. He's been around for donkeys when he's dead, so he's not around anymore. Um, the guy here, Michael Poor, Boot Yourself Solid, that's all about marketing and getting your brand. You guys out there will want to know about branding and making sure that you've got your own brand. This one here, Michael Porton, it's third edition, Boot Yourself Solid, really good stuff. Uh, and then, again, this is more about what you're like as an individual, or what other people are like as individuals. This lady called Gretchen Rubin has brought out a book called The Four Tendencies. And what she's saying is that you're either an upholder, you're a questioner, you're a rebel, or an obliger. See you all thinking which one are you? 
If you want to know, get that. That's a great book. And then the one that I love on productivity is the one thing that anybody read know about the one thing. Okay? That sounds a bit tweet, but that has changed the way that I do my work. The one thing. It's all about identifying what is the one thing that by doing that one thing, you can knock over a lot of dominoes. Absolutely fantastic. We've got a podcast, um, the One Thing podcast. And if all those five, the ones that I think, in order of preference, I would think, the one thing, it will sort out your productivity. No doubt about that. The four tendencies. I'll leave them out there. You can all have a look. Please don't mention And that's it. Thanks very much. was me at the PPN. Um, if you were listening intently, as I know that you all will be, you will have heard a sort of alarm going off. And, and you know, me bad, that was my fault. Um, I had my alarm, I've got various triggers that I uh, have on my phone. And uh, that one there had gone off at half past eight. So um, it was only until uh, sort of five minutes into the talk that I actually realised what was going on, so I turned that off. So hopefully that didn't enjoy the, uh, didn't stop the enjoyment of the show. So listen, that's an insight into landlord mortgages and those that have got four or more properties. I'm gonna be out and shooting away quite quickly. So just tell you a little bit of what's happening with bits and pieces. Uh, so bricks and mortar mortgages, we've got the nod from the FCA, they are now minded to accept my application. I've given them a date of the 1st of April to get everything kicked off. I really need to get what's called the FCA number. Once I get the FCA number, then I can really start moving forward and putting the bricks in place, uh, quite literally the bricks in place for the bricks and mortar mortgages. So exciting times, websites all ready to go. I've got the comms guys, the communication guys to come in to look at my emails, computers, etc. I think it's going to be touch and go as to whether or not we kick off on the 1st of April, um, but certainly if it's not the 1st of April, then it will be shortly thereafter. We were through in Edinburgh with the hockey number two was playing in a tournament there. They cuffed some side 7-1, so that's going all well. Uh, number one uh, had uh, has busted her finger. We were up at the hospital. She's playing volleyball, a bloody stupid game that is. So she had, last week, she was meant to be doing some high jump in Scottish athletics. Uh, she was then, she's got exams in uh, clarinet and guitar. I mean, of all the times for her to bust her finger, this has to be the worst. Um, so it looks like she's going to be out for a couple of weeks and uh, she's moping about the house with her. Uh, they don't, all they've done is they've bound her fingers together um, and I think that's about a week and then she starts moving them. So hopefully she'll be back playing quite soon. Listen, I'm going to sign off now. Um, just to remind me, do throw me some money as far as a donation for my run. It's coming up pretty quickly. 28th of April, we're still needing to raise a lot more money. I say I'm doing it for a charity called Kilbride Hospice. Do go on, I've created a Just Giving page. What you need to do is just type in Jonathan Williams Kilbride Hospice or Jonathan Williams Highland Fling and then it will come up. 
anything that you can pass my way will be more than happily uh, treated by the good people at Kilbride Hospice. It's a great organisation helping those with cancer and uh, your every single penny will go to Kilbride Hospice to keep their good work going. Next week, I'm going to try and speak to Richard Pirrett. He runs Aris Property and he is working next to us. And I'm hoping that he'll come onto the show. And if he does, then he'll be very good value. He's, uh, he knows his stuff. He's been around the traps for goodness knows, probably as long as I have, 20 odd years. Uh, and he's been here, there and everywhere. He's worked at some of the big boys and he's now playing a furrow as he has done for a fairly long period of time with Aris Property. So it'd be great to have him on and that will be one for you to have a listen to. And finally, 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 uh, 23rd of March, we're doing a networking event out at the Alona Hotel, Strathclyde, uh, at the Strathclyde Loch out in Motherwell. So please, if you do want to go to that, then drop me a line either on the website, www the Bricks and Mortar podcast or get in touch with me under the usual offices of Jonathan Williams at beggarbrown.co.uk. It's a networking event. It's absolutely free. It's from three o'clock until four o'clock on the 23rd, which is Friday the 23rd of March. It would be great to get as many of you brickies over there to have a good hour or so of networking and also to help the hospice, Kilbride Hospice. I'm going to get out of here. Once again, you've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast, taking a sideways look at property. Catch you next week.